Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. On how do we grow? So let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Lord, we thank you for all we've learned so far in this series. We thank you that, Jesus, you're the one who not only forgives our sins, but makes life transformation possible. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you dwell in us. Father, we thank you that you devised this incredible plan of salvation. And we pray as we look at this very last ingredient in our spiritual growth, we pray that it would help us, we would be different, we would be changed, and we would be lifelong learners of your word and would grow in our relationship with you. So I ask for your help and ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, one other announcement I just thought of as I was praying. Um, Thank you, front row people. Really appreciate it. Uh, One way we can help welcome people back into the building, for those of you who are comfortable, just sit in the front when you come in next Sunday. That, that will be wonderful. We will love you forever if you could do that. And Tim and Donna did that today, so really appreciate you guys doing that. It just makes it easier if we can film from the front back. If you're not comfortable with that, um, no problem at all. We realize uh, that's not everybody's favorite thing. But for those of you who don't care, please sit up front. Um, it will help as we welcome more people back in. All right, so today is How Do We Grow? This is our final message. The title is Feasting On and Treasuring in God's Word. Feasting On and Treasuring in God's Word. This is our final Sunday in this series. Then next week, we're going to begin about a three-month series on a survey of the book of Exodus. So we're going to go to the Old Testament, and we're excited about giving um, just a survey and overview of the book of Exodus If you receive our weekly newsletter that comes out every Friday uh, via email, there will be study tools about the book of Exodus coming out this Friday and beyond as well. If you want to be on that, you can go to our Connect Center and sign up for that as well. If you missed the whole series, I'm going to give you a quick review. Week one, we will grow as we learn to rest in what Christ has done for us. So one ingredient to spiritual growth is we will grow as we learn to rest in what Christ has done for us. Week two, we will grow as we realize and understand the significance of being made spiritually alive. So part of our spiritual growth is understanding that God's Holy Spirit is inside of us and has made us alive. We will grow as we learn to live by faith, trusting in the character of God. We will grow as we experience the joy and freedom of fearing God, of understanding how awesome and holy and magnificent the Lord is. And then last week we learned we will grow as we experience community through fellowship with Jesus. If you didn't hear last week's sermon, Dave Marshall was like a spiritual heart surgeon and got into all the good places that need to to get into from time to time to help us grow and change. So I really encourage you to watch that, listen to that if you missed it. But if you've been tracking 
and you've been thinking about all these ingredients that are vital to our spiritual growth so we can go from that acorn to the oak tree and really grow deep roots in the Lord, there's one ingredient that has been missing that I think we have assumed but we haven't talked about yet. And so if this series was beef stew, uh, we missed the beef part of the stew. We haven't talked about it yet. And the beef part is the Bible. The Bible is a huge, significant ingredient to spiritual growth. It's foundational. Without the Bible, we actually didn't, wouldn't know all the things that we've learned so far in this series. All the things that we've learned so far have come out of the Bible. So today, we're going to dig right into the Bible and make the connection of why it's so vital for our spiritual growth. So, the big idea is this. Since the Bible is both a feast and a treasure, we must learn to eat and dig into God's Word. Because the Bible is both a feast, something to satisfy us, and a treasure, we need to learn how to eat and to dig into God's Word. And at the outset, I want to give you a vision for what, what a life will look like that is has trusted in Jesus and has really spent time in his word, believing it, obeying it, and seeking to, to honor the Lord and know him through this book. Let me just read two passages. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. What will he be like? He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its seasons. Its leaves do not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. And the primary, primary, primary way that he will prosper is spiritually. And so the vision is as we get to know the Lord more and more through his word, we're going to grow. We're going to be fruitful. And we're going to bring him honor. We, we see this also in Jeremiah uh, chapter 17. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. So that is the vision. And it's difficult to trust in someone that you don't know very well. And so the more we get to know the Lord through his word, the more we will trust him. The more we trust him, the more we will enjoy him. And the, 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 really that happier we will be, the more satisfied we will be, the more at peace we will be no matter what is happening in our life. What I don't want you to do with this message is just think the main idea of this message is you should read your Bible more. Because I could just say that. You should read your Bible more. Have a good day. Thanks for coming. Uh, see you next week. You should read your Bible more. That's not a bad thing. But I want, I want us to think about that a lot more carefully than we should read our Bibles more. Why should we read our Bibles more? 
verse, or point one, we're going to start at the basics. What is the Bible? What is the Bible? So we're, we're starting at the basics. What is this book? And why is this book different than all the books in the world? Well, this book is the most unique book in the world. And we're going to talk about why that is in a moment. Anybody want to take a guess how many books there are in the world right now? Can't look on your phones. It actually was lower than I thought. 130 million books in the world is an estimation. Now, you, you, there's a little debate among, among smart people what's a book, but about 130 million. The whole point is there's a lot of books. And this book is different than all of those books in a number of ways. Let me read what uh, Paul wrote about the Bible. All Scripture is breathed out by God. That literally means expired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In other words, this book is God's word. This book is perfect. This book is our authority. This book has no errors in its original form. This book is the book of books. This book is the one that interprets all other books. This book is the absolute truth from the very first word to the very last word. See, this book is a treasure. This book is a feast. And the reason is because this book has been inspired by the Lord, literally expired by God through the, the pen and the, the paper that, that men wrote over years, over centuries. This book is the absolute truth. So this book is rare and unique. There's only one Bible. There's only one perfect standard, and it is this book. In maybe a little simpler way, Jerry Bridges says this in his book, Growing Your Faith. Because the Bible is God's word, it is both reliable and authoritative. You can trust this book, and it's also our authority. By reliable, I mean we can trust the Bible to tell us what we need to know about God, about ourselves, and most of all, about his plan of salvation for sinful human beings. By authoritative, I mean it expresses the will of God that we are to obey. This includes not only the moral will of God, how we should live our daily lives, but also the will of God concerning the message of our salvation. See, this book is such a precious gift for us. This book, if you know church history at all, there were men and women that sacrificed their lives to translate this book into the modern tongue of whatever country they were from so that people, the common people, could have this book, could read this book, because this book is God's word. This book is so unique. Can you put the slide up of the painting that's hard to see? This is very hard to see, so keep that up for a little bit. Well, if you've been coming for a while, you know I, I was having trouble saying the word acorn, A-C-O-R-N, so I'm really going to have trouble saying uh, the word to this painter. So um, this painting is a really, really, really 
um, incredible painting that probably none of us, maybe the exception of few in the room, could really appreciate. Has anybody ever seen this painting before? Good. Well, this painting was, um, is called Christ Mocked. So it's actually a depiction of Jesus being mocked. Um, it, was, it was by the pre-Renaissance artist. I've been told that the C in Italian is, is pronounced ch. So I'll say chimbo was discovered last month in northern France. So this, this painting was discovered in France, and it was just sitting in a lady's kitchen. So this is the author of the article I read. It said, for years, this painting hung above a hot plate in a kitchen in, in a, a city in France. It was spotted by an auctioneer, I think, when the woman passed away, who said, you should probably get this checked out and evaluate it. Anybody want to take a guess how much this painting was worth? Two million, I hear, like an auctioneer. Higher, anybody? $26.6 million this painting sold at an auction. Um, it was just sitting in a, a country house in France above a hot plate for years and years and years. And, and listen to what, what they said about this. They said what they thought was, it was an old religious icon with little value. That's what they thought. This, this is probably what the, the woman's family thought. This is just, a, just got an old sort of weird-looking painting, uh, religious icon with, with little value. You can take the picture down. Well, when I read that article, I thought, I think sometimes this is what people think of this book. It's this old, archaic book, religious icon with little value. Sitting on the shelf. Most houses in America have maybe a Bible, maybe many Bibles. But what you need to know, and what I'm going to try to persuade you with all my energy, is this book is far more valuable than $26.6 million. Far, 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 far more valuable. And yet at times it just sits there, right? It just sits there. And we get this treasure that is right in our grasp. And what I want us to, to be stirred today is one, to see it as the treasure for which it is, and then to dig into it as a treasure. See, the Bible not only is God's word, not only was it inspired by the Lord himself, not only is it the absolute authority in our life, and the interpret, it's the interpreter of all things that we see and can't see in the world. The Bible is also a living book. It's actually alive. So I'm holding the Bible. I'm holding something living. How do we know that? Hebrews 4 says this. For the word of God is living and active. Sharper than a two-edged sword. Piercing to the division of soul and spirit. Of joints and marrow. And discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. See, this Bible is God's word. And so it can probe and get into the, the, the nitty-gritty of our motives. And I, I remember reading or hearing that someone said this about the Bible. It's the only book that reads us. I remember reading the book of Proverbs as I was uh, just started out in my Christian faith and I had just trusted in Jesus. And I could not believe the Proverbs and how insightful they were. 
and how probing they were and how relevant they were and how applicable they were in that very moment as I'm reading the Bible for the first time. See, this book is a treasure. It's a sword. Um, if you were here last Sunday, you, you may have experienced like I did as, as Dave was teaching and preaching God's word. It was, it was dividing up my heart and soul. And it was helpful. And it was freeing. And so this is a unique book. It is alive. Psalm 119.11 says this. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I, I learned that verse when I was 19 years old. And I remember memorizing that verse and then memorizing verses in the Bible to help me combat and fight against certain sins and temptations. And it was so helpful and freeing to be able to pull out the sword of God's word and to fight those things that were bombarding me. It is a sword. It is alive. Not only that, the Bible is the book that tells us the only true way to have a relationship with God. It's the only book in all the world that tells us the only true way. There are many books that tell us about how to have a relationship with God or God as however you want to define it. Or there are many, many, many books about here's a philosophy you should live by. But there's only one book that tells you how you can be right with the creator of heaven and earth. And it's this book. Let me read this from the book of Romans. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Let me simplify that. In other words, by obedience, you will never go to heaven. By cleaning yourself up, you can never be good enough to be accepted. That's, that's a common thought of our age. That's not true. It's not what the Bible teaches. Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. In other words, it's only in the Bible that we learn God is holy, God is perfect, we are fallen, we are sinful. Consequently, we deserve hell, we deserve eternal wrath. But God, who is just, is also loving. And he sent Jesus into this world who was fully God, fully man, completely perfect, and died on the cross to take the punishment that we all deserved. That way of salvation means that we turn to him, we trust in him, we receive that gift, and we are saved, and we are forgiven, and it is not by our deeds or our works, but by receiving the free gift of salvation. That's only found in this book. And it's incredible. And it's, it's worth way more than 26.6 million dollars. See, without the Bible, we don't know the way to God. We can learn some things about him, the book of Romans says, by looking at the stars, by looking at creation. But we don't find the way of salvation. Jesus said this. He's talking to Thomas. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, or how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying about himself, I am the way, 
as fully God and fully man. I am the life. I am the one that will satisfy you at your deepest core level. I am the absolute truth. And no one comes to the Father except through me. That You can flip that too, meaning anyone and everyone that comes to Jesus can come to the Father. So the invitation is for all. But the condition is only through Jesus. That's only found in the Bible. The Bible is our spiritual food. I want you to think of this as a feast. It's our spiritual food. It's the nourishment we need day after day for our souls. Let me read a couple of verses. And he humbled you, this is in Deuteronomy, and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. See, this is our spiritual food. So when we read it, it's not to gain God's approval. It's to feed our souls. Psalm 34, 8 says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Taste and see, experience the goodness of God. That comes through reading God's word. And then 1 Peter 2 says, Like newborn infants, long for the spiritual milk, that it may grow you up into salvation, if indeed you tasted that the Lord is good. So we're to, we're to approach this as a feast. We're to approach this as fuel for our souls. So the Bible is our spiritual food. The Bible is a treasure. It's a treasure. Show of hands if you've ever watched Treasure of Oak Island. Thank you. There's more of us out there than I thought. So um, it's a show that less than half the room has watched and more than half the room will probably never care to watch. But for the few that like it, myself included, uh, basically there's this place called Oak Island that they really believe that there's treasure in there. And so these, these guys have spent a whole bunch of money searching at different places in the island for treasure. And they, they have invested time and energy and money and resources and just a serious amount of thinking and studying of maps. Why do they do all that? Well, they do it all because they really believe that there is a treasure to be found. This word, if this is God's word that he inspired or expired and then men wrote it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that is perfect and errant, it's our authority, it's our spiritual food, then it's a treasure, and we know it's a treasure, so we need to dig into it as a treasure. And so our belief about what the Bible is will motivate us to dig into it. Our church has many people that have walked with Jesus for quite a long time that have really viewed this book as a treasure. And if you go to their house and find the Bible that they read, you'd see markings and questions and comments and prayers because they've, they've dug. They've dug really deep into God's Word. This, this book is a treasure, so we need to dig into it. So here's the question. If all of this is true, what I just said, 
and it really is true, then why is it so hard to feast on it and dig into it? If this is true, what I just said is true, then why do we find it difficult at times to dig into it? Now, how you answer that question, you might have different answers for the, the question. You know, some common reasons uh, Christians don't read their Bibles that much could be it's confusing. I had trouble understanding it. I'm exhausted. I'm just spent from my life and doing all the things I have to do. I'm too busy. I'm easily distracted. It could be a whole bunch of things. And it doesn't mean that there's nothing to those things, but we need to learn how to get through those things so we're actually digging into God's word or feasting into God's word. So the next point is going to be entirely practical. It's pure, practical ways to get into God's word, which is how do we grow in hunger, thirst, and treasure hunting in God's word? How can we grow in these things. First thing to do, pray and ask the Holy Spirit for a hunger and a thirst to be a treasure hunter, to 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 to, to want to get into the word. If you're not there, if you're just honest, like, okay, I, I've trusted in Jesus, but I just can't read this giant book. That's an honest thought. Lord, you but you gave us a giant book. So would you please help me to love this giant book and understand this giant book and dig into this giant book. Not only do that, but actually be fed as I do it. So pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Okay, we're going to get really practical now. Plan a place and a time to read and spend time with the Lord every day if you can. Now keep in mind, this has nothing to do with earning uh, status with the Lord. The status comes by trusting in Jesus. You are forgiven. You're brought in. This has everything to do with you growing as a Christian. So what I have here, I have my IUP mug, my coffee mug, and my devotional Bible that I bought at Ollie seven years ago. And these are like my two best friends every morning. So my place and my time are pretty much, I'm really boring with this kind of stuff. I am very routine. So right now I get up about 5.30 in the morning every day and I drink a big cup of coffee and I, within minutes, so I'm, I wake up, I go upstairs, mess around with the coffee. My two dogs, Hershey and Snickers, follow me to my chair. I sit in this lazy boy chair. I grab this Bible and I open this Bible and the way this Bible is set up is it actually, you go to the date, March 7th, I read it this morning, and it tells you exactly what to read. And then I go to March 8th tomorrow. So what I do is very boring, but what I do is every day, by the grace of God, I'm in God's word. And the, the cool thing about the way this Bible is laid out, it takes you through different parts of the Bible at the same time. If you read the whole thing, you get through the Bible in a year. So for about the last seven years, I've been doing that. That's my place, that's my time. For the first 18 years of me being a Christian, I read the Bible most days, but I could never stick to a plan. I always just got off course. So, so if you're discouraged, I failed 18 years in a row to read the Bible through in a year. And then on the 19th year, something changed. But the point is that you pick a time and a place and have a plan. When am I going to read? When am I going to do it? And where am I going to go? 
Now, for the real routine people in the room, you're like, yes, love it. For those of you who, like, as soon as I said 5.30, you quit listening to me, um, let me get you back. It could be 10 a.m., it could be 3 p.m., it could be 5 p.m., it could be whatever time works for you. You know yourself, you know if you're a morning person or an evening person or a night owl. The point is, if it's true that the Bible is a treasure and a feast, make a plan to spend time with the Lord and to pray and to interact with him. Next one. Eliminate distractions when you set out to spend time with the Lord. Eliminate distractions. So most of us have one of these. These are wonderful. They're great tools. I mean, just think of all the, the cool things that you can do from your phone. But when it comes to spending time with the Lord, these great things can be great distractions. Massive time suckers, right? I mean, think of just these two things. And listen to me the whole way. I'm not judging right now, okay? Uh, beware of TikTok or Instagram reels that, that just kind of like mindlessly suck your time away. So let, before you run away and think I'm judging you and don't want to do those things, um, I enjoy those things. So who doesn't like to see a hamster in a tuxedo driving a car? Like, that's fun. Who doesn't like to see a guy doing the moonwalk in a city street in, in New York City? I've watched many of those. That's kind of cool. Who doesn't want to see a really fit acrobatic guy do multiple flips off a cliff in some remote island? All those things can be fun. But if you're trying to read God's word on your phone and then they get your attention, they distract you, they take you away, don't do it. So that's why I like to go with the Bible. I go old school. I go paper. So that in the morning I'm not tempted to look at email or Instagram or whatever it would be before I spend time with the Lord. This is a practice, it's not a law. But this is just a suggestion. If you're struggling with having regular time with the Lord, this is a way to fight for it. Eliminate distractions. Now if phones and technology aren't your distraction, but just the busyness of life can be your distractions, then I have a suggestion for you too. So tomorrow morning, Mondays are my day off, and uh, so I'll get up, I want to read my Bible, but then I think on Mondays, all the chores and fun things and different things I want to do, and they kind of flood my mind as soon as I open the Bible. It's like, brain is off, open the Bible, brain turns on, you need to do this, you should do that, you need to call this person. You need... So what I do is I just have a piece of paper that's blank, and I write down all the things that I, I think I should do. Mary loves it, because there's pieces of paper all over our house. Uh, she doesn't really love it. Uh, but... The whole point is you, you just download that so you can focus on the Bible and spending time with the Lord. So eliminate distractions, whatever they would be. Uh, next one, interact with God's word as you read it. Some places in the Bible are easier to interact with than others. But if you are like in the gospel, let's say of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Let's say you're in, in Mark with the scene of the, the garrison demoniac. The guy in lives in a graveyard. He's beating himself. He's, he's enslaved to all kinds of demons. So I try to imagine, what, what would that be like? What would it be like if you were the disciples hearing this man scream and yell and see him running at you? And so you, you want to use your imagination appropriately to, to think about what would 
be happening in those scenes. If you're reading through the book of Kings or Samuel and you're in a big war scene, what would it be like to look up on the hillside and just hear these swords rattling? So you just don't want to, it's not like you just read it to check off the list. You read it to interact with the living God. And every bit of his word is intended for our good. This is a very simple practical suggestion. Remember when you're reading the Bible, you are reading a book. You're actually reading a book. And so sometimes we, we approach this like it's not a book. So think of any kind of book that you've enjoyed reading. You wouldn't randomly open that book and just point your finger in the middle of a sentence and say, well, that's what I need to know about this subject. That's not how you would approach it. You'd approach it like a book. And this book is actually 66 books together. And so because it's a book, here's some questions to ask yourself as you're spending time with the Lord in his word. What kind of genre is this particular part of the Bible? Meaning, is it poetry? Is it historical? Is this a historical narrative that's going to tell us something from Israel's history? Is this a letter that Paul wrote? Is this a vision like the book of Revelation that has all these abstract descriptions and pictures and beings and creatures? Because the kind of book it is will help you to understand it. I mean, let's keep it really simple. If you're reading for fun a, a fiction book, and then you're reading a nonfiction science book, you, you approach them two different ways. And so the Bible is a book, and we want to think about it as a book. And as you get to read the Bible and understand it more, I think another good question to ask, because it's a book, how does it fit, how does this book, let's say, whatever book this is, how does the book of Jonah fit into the overall storyline of the Bible? Or we'll go to the New Testament. How does the book of Romans connect with the fall of man that we read about in the book of Genesis? And so you begin to ask questions. One of the things I love to do when I read the Bible, I'm very messy. My handwriting hasn't changed since first grade. Really hasn't. And so my Bible is just like scribbles. But they, they make sense to me. The whole point is you're, you're interacting with God's word so that you can grow and so you can feed. Another thing, study and discuss the Bible with others. So the Bible is meant to be enjoyed, feasted on, understood. But, but what we want to do is learn to, to do that with other people and interact with God's word with other people. That can be just friends uh, that you have. And don't interact with it like in the way that you want to debate something. I mean, there, there can be a place for debate. But what, what we're talking about is how can we grow in feeding our souls? So let's talk about it in, in that regard. I interacted with the word and I, I want to encourage somebody else about it. So let me give you an example. So my dear friend, Bob Ryder, right over here. Uh, him and I, we talk a lot on the phone. Uh, we, we try to spend time together. We enjoy a lot of the same things together. Uh, one of the things that I know we both enjoy is uh, food, particularly seafood. So I want you to imagine two different ways to enjoy a seafood buffet. So Bob's going to go on some vacations this year. And he'll inevitably tell me about the kind of things that they've done on those vacations. And if I get a call from him after vacation, he, here's what he won't say. Hey, Joe, went to a seafood buffet. Oh, did you eat? Yep, I ate. Was it good? It was good. And then we hang up the phone. It's not going to go that way. 
If you know Bob at all, here's how it's going to go. First thing he's going to say, he's going to say, hey, man. That's how, he, that's how we, we greet each other on the phone. Hey, man. And then I say, what's up, Bob? And then he'll say, you're never going to believe this. You're never going to believe this. I went to this buffet, and they had oysters bigger than the plates. I never saw oysters so big. And the butter from the oysters just dripping. As you began to taste it, your, your taste buds just began to awaken. And then they brought out these king crab legs. And Joe, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not kidding. These king crab legs were this big. And when you cracked open the meat, oh, it was, it was perfect. I've never had it cooked so well. And so he would go line by line, right, Bob? And, and describe it with great joy and satisfaction. That's how we should talk about our experience with the Lord in his word. Bob and I do that too. So imagine this. Hey, Joe, did you know that in the Bible, in Psalm 103, it says your sins, as far as the east from the west, have been removed from you. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? Every wrong thing we've ever done, because we've trusted in Jesus, removed. Joe, can you believe the Bible says you become a new creation when God's Spirit comes inside of you? Completely new. Us have done all these wrong things, made new. Can you believe that? Joe, can you believe right in that same section where it says we've been made new, it says we're ambassadors for Jesus. The moment we've trusted in Jesus, we became ambassadors for him. We better clean up a little bit. We better, we better learn some more things if we're going to represent him. See, see, when I'm talking about interacting and encouraging each other in the Bible, it's not to have these debates. There's a place for that. But for spiritual growth, it's to share what you're experiencing, what you are learning about God through his word, what you don't understand, what makes your head scratch. You, hey, I, I've been reading this. I, I don't get it here. I don't understand why all this happened in that battle scene. Can you help me understand it? And so you, you do it with others. So it gives you a... Um, not just accountability, but accountability and encouragement. And then you get to delight in the Lord through his word together. See, remember, as we grow and understand God's word, we're doing so to grow spiritually. What we're not doing is studying this book to win a Bible trivia competition. That's not what we're doing. When I read the Bible in the morning, it's not so I think, Oh, well, maybe if I'm at a place, which I've never had a place, but if I'm at a place that has a Bible trivia game, I'll be the winner. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for, I need spiritual strength and energy from the Lord to navigate this world. And he has given us his word. So that is the goal. And so as we grow and as we interact with God's word, listen to what, there's a caution from James he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For anyone is, who is a hearer of the word and not a doer is like a man who looks intently in his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, he goes away, and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed. It's a simple illustration. 
probably most of you, if not all of us, looked in a mirror this morning. And hopefully all of us, but at least most of us, when we looked into the mirror and hair's weird places and you get weird hairs growing out of weird places, you take care of all that, and, and you change. You do something different because of what you see. That's what James is saying. When you're in God's word, let's say you're struggling with anger or worry or fear and you read something that combats that, then you interact with the Lord over that and you confess it and the Lord helps you and you're different. And so when you close the book and you, you walk back out into the room, you're, you're different. That's what James is talking about. So there's some practical things. Hopefully that encourages the last question to consider, and this one will be really short. What is the reward of treasuring and feasting in God's word? What is the reward? This week I, I did an interview with Pat Burns, who has been really a part of this church since the very beginning. Um, and the, the interview is going to air in a, in a week or two, and I really encourage you to watch it. And if you want to know, what, what does a life look like that has done this, what I'm describing, and, and knows what it means to grow deep roots in the Lord? It's, it's people like Pat and Norm Burns. See, what happens is week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, as you do this and you submit yourself to God and his word, here's what will happen. Galatians 5 will happen. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. See, the reward will be a fruitful life. The reward will be a mind and heart shaped and submitted to the Lord. Your heart and mind will be shaped as you sit under the word. If you really believe this is God's authority in your life. You'll be able to keep your heart with all vigilance as Proverbs says. You will be transformed as Romans 12, 1 through 2 says. Your, your mind will be renewed. Another reward will be there will be a confidence in God no matter what is happening in your life. That is a sweet reality of spending time with the Lord. When, when Paul says rejoice in the Lord always, again I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. In other words, when you're squeezed you really believe that the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You will be confident. So you, when, when you see stuff on the news or stuff in our world happening, if you are a Christian who has grown deep roots, in God's word, you should be different when you see those things. doesn't mean you shouldn't be unconcerned, but it shouldn't throw us. God's still in control. God is still obviously at work. I mean, I, if you just pick, let's say, the book of Kings, for example, and you see that ten tribes of Israel for hundreds of years were led by kings who did evil in the sight of the Lord. Pretty much the whole time our country has been in existence, there's a period of Jewish history where a significant part of their kingdom, when it was divided, was in complete rebellion for hundreds and hundreds of years. And yet God was still in control, and God was still at work, and there were still evidences of God's mercy and love 
and grace happening. See, if we grow deep roots, we're not going to be afraid of what we see. I mean, remember this biblical example of Joshua and Caleb. So they go to spy on the land. They're with 10 other people. And they, they're sent into what will be the promised land. 10 people come back, and this is what they say. Well, you know, the food looked kind of good. But there were giants. And more, they're going to kill us. They're going to just level us one by one. And so they're saying, we shouldn't go. I don't think we should go. I don't think we should do this. Joshua and Caleb, on the other hand, they're like, the grapes are huge. The land is flowing with milk and honey. Surely if God wants us to go, these, these giants, we're not afraid of them. Our God is great and mighty. They're looking at the exact same thing. But they have a view through which they see everything, which is God's power and God's character. And that's what you will have as you spend time in this word day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. See, the reward will be that you will be a fruitful and vibrant Christian. I'm just going to read Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. You guys can stand if you wouldn't all mind standing. The band can come up. And here's what it says. This, this is the vision. Blessed is the man or the woman who trusts in the Lord, who trusts is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought. For it does not cease to bear fruit. Let's pray. And then we're going to sing, and Casey's going to come up and close us. And as he does, we'll have the prayer team up here. If you need prayer for anything, we would love to pray for you. Father, thank you that you have given us your word. Lord, help us all to love your word and, and understand your word and dig into your word and treasure your word and feast on your word. And uh, Lord, we pray we would be different because of this. Lord, we pray you would help everyone who's watching and everybody who's in the room to grow and their understanding and application of your word. Lord, we love you, and we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.